Hey listeners, join me for Wellstack September 27th to 29th at the Diplomat Beach Resort in Hollywood, Florida, brought to you by wealthmanagement.com. Inside Wellstack is the number one event for future thinking advisors, investors, and tech providers. Seriously, you won't believe the list of speakers and the agenda. Check it out for yourself on Twitter at wellstackconf, where you'll get links to register and notifications for everything. See you there. Hi, this is Tina Powell, host of In The Suite, where I sit down with top women leaders and some of the biggest names in the financial services and the wealth management industry. Together, we'll discover some of their best secrets and top strategies to grow great business, build a strong brand, and lead teams in the 21st century. I hope you'll enjoy hearing their amazing personal stories of triumph, trepidation, and transformation in hopes of becoming better leaders ourselves. The time for you to lead is now, and you're in the suite. Meet Dr. Travis Parry, international keynote speaker, founder of the Make Time Institute, and author of the number one international bestseller, Achieving Balance, the Make Time Method for Advisors to Reach Business and Personal Goals in an Overworked World. Travis's professional journey started in 2002 as a financial advisor, and as he's helped his clients achieve their financial goals, he soon discovered many were unhappy in their personal relationships, careers, and overall health. Even more important, Travis's own life experience would shape his decisions around money and time forever. With the unexpected and early death of his father, a fit and active devoted husband, father of six, and a dedicated businessman who passed away at the age of 49. While the discussion around work-life balance has always been a topic, especially through the pandemic, today's episode is not a quintessential conversation around balance. Instead, you'll gain new perspectives as Travis challenges us to rethink what sustainable balance looks like, bust common myths on work-life balance, and explains how focusing on priority is how we really begin enjoying the life we want. Travis is also a coach and host of the Make Time podcast, where he discusses the business systems that are needed to help you succeed in business and the personal systems to help you make time to live a purposeful life. He also interviews other experts that share tips and strategies to help you live life on purpose. Travis earned a doctorate in family and human development from Utah State University, a master's degree from psychology from the University of Phoenix, and a certified financial planner from the American College. In fact, one of the many gifts you'll discover about Dr. Travis Parry in this episode is how he himself works to achieve balance in his own life. He and his wife are homeschooling parents of six children, soon to be seven, while running a business. And when he's not spending time with his wife and children, he's serving his church and dabbling in triathlons and distance riding. And with this episode and Travis's book, Achieving Balance, you'll gain inspiration on how to create boundaries and tips for managing day-to-day tasks and goals in the suite. Dr. Travis Perry. Wow. Wow. Take a seat in the suite. It is so great to see you here today. I am so, so excited. 
This is a special, magical, magical day here today. I think there was, it was no surprise that when I went out this morning, I'm, I'm on location right now in, in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, and I went out and I saw three deer and a cardinal within the first five minutes of being out there. It is a very special day, and that signified to me that today is a day that is wonderful to be celebrated, and, and let me tell everybody why. You are our first male guest ever, ever on the podcast. <laughs> number one, number one. <laughs> and, and that is special. And, and here's why. And, and you and I were talking, Travis, on the backstory of this podcast and why it was created. And, and that was that I felt really that there was a void for, for women's stories and that we really needed, I wanted to be that platform and that gateway to tell the stories of women, particularly mid-senior level careers that mattered. And now you come up with this amazing framework, which we're going to talk about resources and a book to free up women's time and to also to free up men's time and spousal units together so that people can spend more time with each other. And I said, wow, that is something that I definitely want to make sure that transcends and gets to the people that need to hear it. So congratulations, Dr. Travis Perry. Welcome to In the Suite Thank you. Thank you for that intro. Thank you for having me. Thank you for letting me be the first male guest on your show. That's a, that's a humbling experience for me. I really appreciate that. That's really cool. And certainly if anybody deserves it, right, ladies and gentlemen today, I think that it's the man who is married. You can see, gosh, what a gorgeous, gorgeous picture. What a beautiful family, your wife, Angela. And I'll let you tell the good news. I don't want to be the spoiler. <laughs> yeah, no, we've got one on the way. Um, our number seven, who as much as you family plan, as much as you do, um, and people look at us, they, you know, it's this funny thing. They, they, after we come out of the grocery store, they're like, one, two, three. And I'm like, six, six. And they're like, oh, okay. I'm like, this is a lifestyle. Like this was not an accident. We know what causes this. My grandpa's like, you know what causes this, right, Travis? I'm like, are you serious? Like, come on. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is something that we choose. This is a, a wonderful thing to have a, a great big family. We're, we just feel blessed to be quite honest. There's there's several in our family who struggle having children, right? Yeah, and infertility yeah. is a big issue. So I'm very sensitive to that fact. Uh, so we just feel really humbled and blessed. And so you have six now and you have... One on the, yes, one on the we have a, we're getting numbers one, a little girl. Yes, another, oh, another, another little special woman spirit coming to the world. So oh, that's fantastic. The, the thing that I can relate to is that, so my mother is the oldest of nine. Uh -huh. And so, yeah, so now I'm part of that second generation of that nine and it is incredible. And we're still very connected as a family. We're all on WhatsApp together. My cousin is turning 30. So we have my first cousin. And so we have 30 days of turning 30. So every day, somebody's recording a video and giving my cousin advice. So this is a chain reaction, G2, G3. Like, Love so it. I'm looking at these beautiful faces. And so what a great thing. And you're here to Thank talk you. about a subject. I don't even want to say the word, but I'm going to say the word. It begins with a B. <laughs> And the word is balance, balance. <laughs> nice. So let's kind of kick it right off. Tell us about you are the founder of the Make Time Institute. Tell us a little bit more. 
Yeah. And this, this whole book, this achieving balance book, it's, it's achievingbalancebook.com. People can go get it there. Just pay the shipping costs. We'll send it to you for free. That's what I want to give you as being a listener for the show. The Make Time Institute, man, that it really was a dream of mine to be able to help people with their finances. And I got started as an advisor and I found that as I was helping them with their goals, that their finances were related to everything in life, everything, their health, their relationships, the ability they had to have freedom and take vacations, and actually their ability to access education, their ability to have the medical care they need, like all of these things were related to their finances. And I really wanted to help people to achieve their financial goals as an advisor, but I felt somewhat kind of held back in a sense. I had a huge life changing event that happened um, that really just put everything into perspective. And that was when my father, who was only 49, 49 years young, he actually died in a heart of a heart attack on his mountain bike. And that was an incredible experience because I realized I'm 26. I'm halfway to 50. He was two weeks away from being 50 years old and he was healthy. He was doing what I just did this morning. I went on a mountain bike ride and it's just a normal thing. And he died very suddenly because of what they call a widow maker. And as I was speaking at his funeral and writing his obituary and um, actually processing the death claim, my own father's death claim, my very first I ever did, and hopefully my last as a financial advisor, as I did that and helped my mom and everything, I realized I needed to do two things. One, I need to be super healthy, <laughs> healthier than my than I thought my father was. I thought he was Superman, but I needed to do 10 times what he did because I probably have a genetic disposition towards heart disease. And two, I needed to live my life on purpose. Mm. And what that meant to me was I needed to do everything in every single area of my life, not just one, not just two, but every single area of my life, I had to live it to the fullest because I didn't know if the next day I would be gone. And that realization hit me like a ton of bricks that you can't get unless you have an experience like this, I don't think. And I realized that as an advisor, I couldn't actually help my clients in every area. It touches, you know, money touches all those areas. So there's a, a correlation, but I wasn't able to physically help them in each of these areas. And I felt a little bit trapped. I felt a little bit held back to help these clients. And so as I was having a health transformation, relationship transformation, just in general, spiritual transformation, I could not actually in the fiduciary responsibility as I as an advisor help them. So I decided, okay, I'm going to do something about this. And I decided to open up the Make Time Institute. It's had several other names, but I finally settled on this and realized this is it. Like I'm helping people make time for all these areas of their life so they can live their life on purpose. When you start out the book and, and exactly what you're talking about, the, the tragic death of your, of your father, this pulled me right in mm -hmm. to the premise of, of the book. And then you also talk about, this was another thing that was just, I'm not even to chapter one and I'm already feeling the, I guess, emotional pull. There's this poem called The Dash. And that was another thing that touched me. So I read it to my fiance and we both, we both just sat there. What a great way to 
examine your your life. And I know that when I was reading, I don't know where it was that I, I read this exactly, but you had a friend whose father also died who gave you the copy of this poem. And it's written by Linda Ellis. And this also too, every single purpose, every single person listening right now, I want to take this and I want to just mount this in front of my, near my computer, because it does, it reminds you to choose carefully. Back to all of these areas, one of the things that you include in the book and you start out with this is the idea of this mini obituary worksheet and the 10 areas of your life. But the way that you approach it is so different. So I'm holding up, there are, let me see. One, two, there's at least like eight pages of resources, like actual things that you could either do if you're old school or or even if you're not old school and you still want to just do it with a pen and paper and also to have a digital format as well. Can you go into talk about these 10 areas of of life? Because here's what was different about your exercises. This is very succinct and very clear, right? About these areas. Yeah, you're right. This is nothing new. And I've read all of Covey's stuff, like every book I have. I actually have his original book called Spiritual Roots of Human Relations. That was his book that became Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Mm. Like that, that, that was his original book. I have it with me. It's right there on my shelf. Tempted to bring out this really, you know, I'll show you. Because, you know, you can see this, look at this, this old book, like it's all ripped and torn and like this, you know, pale green from the seventies. Like this is his original book, but I I have pretty much everything by Covey. And I actually was listening to one of his audio books the other day on a drive. I I just need to re-listen. You know, sometimes we listen to books, but the people, the authors that we really learn from is the ones we've listened to again and again. And so I I love him and I love his stuff. But one thing he talks about is this uh, mini obituary idea that, you know, writing your own. And I had actually never previously done it either. And it wasn't until I did that for my father because no one else wanted to do it. Wow. So there I'm like, ah, all right. And you have a big family, right? Yeah. 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 So I'm sitting there, I'm like, um, you know, and at the time, you know, we had two children and I'm, I'm really, I I really just became that person my mom needed. She needed me Mm -hmm. to help her with all the finances, get organized. And I was writing this obituary and that's when a lot of things just kind of hit me. I'm like, oh my goodness, I need to do this myself. Wow. And so the way that I suggest people do it is you take all 10 areas of life, which are spelled out in the book, and you write basically what you want people to remember you by in each of those 10 areas. And it's not so much about what you accomplished. It's about the person that you became. And that is a huge difference. I think most people totally screw up when it comes to setting goals. They want to accomplish stuff instead of be someone. Hmm. And when you become someone, you're going to accomplish things along the way. That's just part of it. But when you just focus on the accomplishment, you miss out on the actual personal growth that occurs when you learn how to become somebody. And that's what I learned by looking at my father's life going, if this was you, Trav, like, could you say this about yourself? All these things you're saying about your dad? And I thought, no, I can't. I'm not there. And I wasn't on a good track. I was overweight. I was not very healthy at the time. My wife and I were struggling a little bit with our relationship as most 
you know, under 10 <laughs> married years too. Um, it's just it's pretty common. But there were things I know that I needed to change that I just wasn't, all right? I, I, I slipped into that workaholic trap that I outlined in the book. But as I did it, as I went through and could write down, here's who I wanted to become in each area, it gave me so much hope knowing that I can do that. It is possible. And then you take those areas and you circle the characteristics, the things that describe you, not the area, but the thing that describes you, and that becomes your values. And when you can identify those values, then you set goals or actions to become that value. If it's being trustworthy, if it's being successful at work, like those are characteristics that your people will remember those. They're not going to remember all of the things you did. Mm. And I remember one of the premises about that exercise in the book is to come up with your own descriptions and to use the words that come naturally to you rather than just try to default to the terms that we hear all the time and other people use. I'm wondering if you can give our listeners right now an example. There are 10 aspects You include career, finances, physical health, spiritual health, self-improvement, fun and recreation, spouse, family, friends, and community. Yeah. So for me, I'll just tell you the areas. And I I help once you figure out goals, then you want to prioritize it. So it's it's not like trying to accomplish everything. And that's myth one in the book is balance isn't doing everything. It's focusing on those things that are most important. But so the three three areas are most important to me, spiritual health, self-improvement, or personal development, um, and physical health. So as I look at those three areas, um, I'll just take the, the top one, spiritual health. That's the area of life that I put as my highest priority. And in my mini obituary, I write, I am a faithful and inspiring teacher. So that that's my mini obituary statement, right? So if I go back there, then I can go, I circle faithful and inspiring. Those two words are values that I believe in. Values are principles that guide your life. And so if I look at being faithful and inspiring, well, that's my motivation. Mm. So in one year, I think, well, how can I be more faithful and inspiring this year? And I decided that actually this year, I'm writing a book all about faith. And faith is really the absence of fear. Faith is moving forward. Faith is doing those things that we know that we should do, that we're just afraid to do, right? So I'm writing a book all about that. It's more of a spiritual flair. It's not a business book, but it's more spiritual. Um, But that is something that I am doing in action. And along the way, guess what I have to do? I have to study faith. I have to study other people that have been faithful and learn from their stories and in turn, that makes me want to be better. That makes me want to do that. So I've got a goal to listen to 12 books of faith. And then I can, I can calculate that. What, what month, you know, this month, what am I listening to? Right. Or the next month, what am I doing? And then how many times am I writing so that I can keep up with the writing of that book? So I think that is how, in my humble opinion, how goals are best created and actually carried out is when you have an internal driver that is so purposeful, so deep that are, that represents your values. You don't need Tony Robbins every day giving you rah rah. You need internal values that drive you, regardless of who's on your team or who's not on your team. Wow, so 
so brilliantly stated, it goes back to that philosophy of why. So you're extracting the values from the mini obituary, and then you're developing a smart goal system around that. How often are your clients, I know that you work with advisors, financial advisors, which is another reason why, ladies and gentlemen, why we have Travis in the suite today is because he has a, a, a core competency, obviously, working with advisors in this area. And there's a certain personality. And let's face it, advisors have been through a lot, <laughs> a lot, yes. as in everybody. In fairness, no matter what vertical you're working in, but you're working with advisors, insurance agents, planners, even realtors, how often should we be revisiting our our SMART goals? When do you rebalance the, the goals portfolio? Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I really believe that every month is the great time to look at your year goal, you know, reset, said, okay, where am I on this goal? Business-wise, monthly goals, health goals, whatever it is, you know, even relationship goals, look at it as a monthly basis once you have that year goal set. And that year goal, that's just action toward whatever value you decide you want to work on this year. And I suggest two or three in each area. So in this year, uh, it's for me, it's faithful, right? So then I'm, I'm working on that, those books. And so then each week, it's a really easy reset to look at how am I doing for my monthly goal? Am I on track? Am I not? So three o'clock on Sundays is my individual development time. So I look at all of my goals. I see how I'm doing and I track for the next week. It's super simple. It takes me five, maybe 10 minutes. And then I can see that I achieve or accomplish the things that I wanted to this week. Okay. And what do I need to focus on? But in all actuality, when I track everything, I have a great tracking uh, tool that I, I use and I give in, in the online course where you can actually go through and every column just becomes the next week and the next week. And then you can keep track of those things each month. Super simple. Not very complicated, but those smart goals don't need to be. They need to be simple because that's how you're going to accomplish them. But each of those simple goals will add up and those smart goals will build. So by the end of the year, you can actually look back and go, gee, I, you know, I, I was 90% better faithful this year. Look at all the things that I did. <laughs> Does that make sense? Oh yeah, sure. Like even if you took incremental steps to actually doing that, instead of, this is really a, a big lesson on not living your life on autopilot and, and that really taking control of time. One of the things that I've been doing too, Travis, that you'd be very proud of is I do not check my phone the first thing in the morning. I wait for, it's probably like an hour and a half to two hours. I'm up early, right? I've gone for a walk. I've meditated. I've, I've read something positive. I've journaled. And that is in, that's intentional. And I feel that just by, by virtue that my behavior patterns are different. As I look through the goals, I, I even from just a general sense of evaluating yourself, I say, wow, I did something positive. Yeah, I think that's what we need to do. That's You're right on. I love it. So let's talk about these myths because the book is divided into three myths. And again, the word balance, I have to be honest, the word balance puts an anxiety level. <laughs> it, it is so overused. <laughs> so talk to us about myth number one, which is so glad that you put this in writing, is that balance is doing it all at the same time. Yes. 
Isn't that it? I mean, I thought about just writing the book, The Myth of Balance, the end of story. And I think everybody would be like, hallelujah, you know, Um, but I, I wanted to frame it in a positive way of no balance is achievable. And let's talk about why this is such a problem, why it gives most people anxiety when I say, what is balance? Because quite honestly, that's I've interviewed over 150 financial advisors, my team and I have, and we found that when we ask that question, we get answers all over the place. But the general cohesive pattern that we've seen is that when people feel balanced, it's when they are living their highest priorities maybe the top three or four areas of their life, when they know that those are taken care of, that everything else seems to feel balanced. And that's the key. And that's why even in my book, you know, I've got this unequilibrium of of work and home. Yeah. Yeah. Work and home. And that's what this represents. Even the pictures behind me, my family picture is up higher than this picture over here to my right shoulder of, of workers headed out basically in a ship. It's a Danish picture. These Danish fishermen are going out on a, you know, bright sunny day to go work. And, you know, that's the point. The point is when, when your family life, when your personal life, when those things that are most important to you are more important than work, that tends to, to figure itself out. I have done this exercise with hundreds of people and never have I had a married person with a family tell me that their career was number one. Never, never. I repeat, never. Now, I'm not saying that one can't and there might be you know, a reason for that, whatever, maybe for a short period. But the reality is long-term, if we look at this at the end of our life, looking back on it, most people, like Covey said, are going to be upset that they spent more time at the office and not with their family. Right. And that's, that's the key here. Balance for me is, again, it's being spiritually, physically fed, and then having the time with my wife and my family to do the things that I want to do with them. And I think, though, there's also a balance trap. And you you talk about this. Uh, again, you've got this whole idea of multitasking, multitasking. And I would like you to clear up because we think that we're being efficient. We think, okay, well, if balance isn't doing, if, if, if the number one of balance is not doing everything the same and doing everything well, then no problem. I'm going to do this. I'm going to work on this for this time. Then I'm going to switch to this time. And then I'm going to switch. I'm going to spend 10 minutes here, five minutes here, three minutes there. And there it is, singularity of focus. But kind of clear up that myth too, because that was a real game changer for me. It makes me more conscious, I think, Travis, even just reading your thought leadership, then deposits something in me that says, before I make a conscious choice to move from one task to another, ah, is that really what I should be doing at the time? So good. So I worked uh, closely with Dave Crenshaw, who I you know talk about in the book, who was one of the first coaches of, of the E-Myth book. And Michael Gerber is the author. So I, I trained with Dave. Um, I didn't train directly with Michael. So I feel like I'm Michael's grandson, even though I've never met him. Hello, Michael. Um, he's probably not listening, but you know what? You know, you oh, know. I love that book. I have that also too. E-Myth, E-Myth Revisited. Revisited. Oh yep. boy, and I've got that you in know, on my and, and phone. The, the, 
Yeah. The big thing is that here we are with our careers and there's a lot of people actually, unfortunately, that they're multitasking their careers even, and they're doing too much. They're totally out of balance at work. But I think it begins with this idea of multitasking. And Dave wrote the book, The Myth of Multitasking the myth of multitasking. And what I learned with him, and then also in my master's degree um, learning psychology, is psychologists, we actually look at multitasking and say, that's not actually a real thing. You cannot literally multitask. You can maybe with small things, like I can stand and move my hands, right? I can talk and walk. These very low brain wave activities we can do. And you know what? Women, they'll say, well, we can multitask better than men. It is so true. You can. Your brain's function work differently. And that's the truth. However, when you look at men and women side by side, regardless of who does multitasking better, when one of them is not multitasking, he or she does the task better, more efficient, and in less time. Hmm. Why? Because when we're trying to focus on two things at the same time, if I was trying to post on LinkedIn right now and tell a really cool story, there's no way I'd be able to complete it while I'm talking to you. And you would know I'm distracted because my brain can't focus on two really important things at the same time. So when we are trying to do those really important things in our life, those top things, and we are trying to do that plus everything else we need to do at the same time, that's kind of where this myth comes in. The myth of multitasking is you actually do have to silo these areas of your life out so you can focus in on them. And most of the book talks about how not to multitask at work, but it's the same thing at home. You know, if you have kids and you're on your cell phone looking up Facebook and you're scrolling and scrolling and they're like, dad, mom, 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 I need this. Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah. Hold on one second. And all of a sudden you find yourself getting really grumpy at that little three-year-old, like, leave me alone. You realize, gee, what have I been doing? I've been multitasking that relationship. That does not work. Um, right. it, it does not build a relationship. It doesn't help at work to be more productive. And so I really kill that with an exceptional time management system that if you follow and if you use it, will help you to focus on your most important priorities at work. So you can delegate all the other stuff, anything that's not in what I call your work sweet spot. You need to not be doing it. Have someone else do it. For example, I sell my book, achievingbalancebook.com on a, on a website called ClickFunnels. Now, ClickFunnels is amazing. I love it. They advertise it as being so simple to use. I spent 30 hours trying to put together a stinking funnel just for a live event that I did a few months ago. And I realized this is the dumbest thing. I'm not following my own principles. Here I'm thinking I'm, I'm, I'm mid-tech. I'm not high-tech, okay? I'm mid-tech. And I thought, well, I can tackle this. And after doing that for 30 hours, I realized, Travis, you just broke every rule that you tell people to do. And that is you're supposed to delegate or outsource or automate the things that are not in your wheelhouse, not in your sweet spot. What are you doing? So now I have the knowledge to know that is not something that I enjoy, I'm good at, and I don't care to do myself. So now I have someone that whenever I need a new funnel built for a new project, a new something, I pay her $1,000 and I say, please take my money, take it now. I don't want anything to do with it because my time is worth so much more on a 30 hour basis. Makes sense. Yeah, it is. It's putting that time value on your own money. And so I want to also let the, especially advisors know 
that this is not only an introspection about where you need as a on the personal side, but then also too, you're you're freeing up time so that as a business owner and as a business leader, you are showing up differently. And I will tell you, even just from, uh, and we have a small and mighty dodgeball team of, of six here, is that Wednesday, there's no client meetings on Wednesday, none, zero. And there's a big block of time and you start to empower people. You start to empower your teams and put them in a position for success because you've managed your time efficiently. Now, I am just as guilty as everybody. I have just, I actually started to really, because of your book, started to think about the things that I was doing, do uh, an inventory of two weeks of activities and not like, not anything fancy schmancy, not even on a, I opened up an Excel and I said, okay, what am I, what am I doing each week? And then you come to this realization, right, Travis, that I looked and I said, I'm doing like you do. Yeah, I can do everything on there. And it just hit me on the face. I'm like, but, and here's, here's the, my question to you is that I saw, wow, Tina, you've got some other kind of deeper psychological things. You're not letting go. Yeah. We don't let go. That's right. And so that's psychological. Why am I not letting go? What am I afraid of? That's it. That's it right there. You nailed it. You nailed it. Um, most of the, of the people I've interviewed, they have issues with when we finally have created this uh, work sweet spot, they have a problem with letting go all of these other things. I literally did a strategy session with a, a really great client, someone who, who I, he's very successful. He had three pages of activities, literally three pages, Tina. Mm. And, and you know, that's like, 40 different activities. There's like 10 or 12 on each page. And it's one of the longest I've ever seen. He works over 115 hours, Wow, 115 hours a week. One of the worst cases I've ever seen. He wants to get down to 45. It's possible. It's doable. Um, and that's why I created the Make Time Institute right. to help people and coach them when they have you know these issues. But I think one of the biggest things is that we build up so much value in doing, look at all the things that I do. I'm so important, my ego. And, and it, 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 uh, it typically comes down to some fears that we have of a failure or success. Travis, I can't be afraid of success. I, I want to be successful. Of course, you, you don't want to in your conscious mind, but it's likely that you have built up experiences or anecdotes, uh, scripts from your parents, from your upbringing, from your fear of being successful when you were a kid in grade school or sports in high school, whatever it was, or relationships that went sour. The reality is that a lot of people, especially financial advisors, see this. They may have clients who are like, I'm afraid of you know, having a huge portfolio. I'm afraid of dealing with all of this money even though they may want it, they mm. may not know what that all means. So that's a fear of success. And that can actually get in the way and cause cognitive dissonance where we want some subconsciously something different than we want something consciously. And that creates problems and stress. And so a lot of us can't let go of those things for that reason. Or we have fear of failure that if I do something wrong will happen. I might lose a client. 
if I train someone else to help me on my team. I've got a salesperson. I have a client-facing assistant. And those are things that are important to me. I have sales to generate business so I can have clients. But also, once I have clients, I turn them over to my client specialist who helps me with that relationship. Well, what are you doing, Travis? Like That's part of what you do. Of course I do. But in order to bring lots of clients on, I've got to have help. If I don't outsource those things and to my team, then I am not able to scale my business. I'm not able to reach more people and help more with the message that I'm sharing. I could be on this podcast today. Um, right. And so I, I think that it really comes down to those fears, Tina, fear of failure, fear of success. I outline them in chapter 14 and help people really come to grips with them. Uh, but sometimes it takes a one-on-one meeting, uh, which I, I can happily offer to your audience. If they do the achievingbalancebook.com, there is a free one-on-one session that I can offer them where I can go into depth and help them figure out, you know, and hold the mirror up to their face where they're at. And just oftentimes by pinpointing where that's at, they can start to let go of all of those other things that they know they should. Because it's usually here, like, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. I had a multimillionaire, speaking of ClickFunnels again, I had a multimillionaire who's been on the Two Comma Club on stage with Russell Brunson and everybody who was building his own ClickFunnels still. And I challenged him to find someone else to do it. (laughs) He's like, I found someone for $7 an hour. Oh, And I thought, "But, but Tina, that's the issue. It's like, But he said, I really like doing it. I'm like, dude, I know you like doing it, but do you like doing it for $7 an hour? He's like, no, I'm done. And you know, what's great about him is that he let go of that super fast once he realized it. But some of us, we're still holding on to those $7 an hour activities, wondering why am I not getting paid more? Why can I not scale my practice? Why can I not get more clients? And they'll pay for marketing. They'll pay for sales training to do all these other things. They'll pay ads on Facebook only to clutter up their life with so many things to do that it actually implodes their business. Hmm. And how long does it take to see results that let's just assume that we have this, we have this, this case, right? This hypothetical example of a female advisor right now, she's got, I don't know, a book of 150 million, maybe 250. And again, has never done this type of intentional workshopping around her own time, but knows that, hey, we're just coming off a pandemic. Things have been very stressful, having to deal with technology and work from home and even more communications to clients to get them all settled and and whatnot. How fast does a person then, somebody that's never worked, start to see results from working with just even just working, whether or not it's working with you, Travis, what can a person expect saying, okay, look, I'll give this a try. So I actually have uh, several female financial advisors as clients and just looking at their stories and people can go to my website, travisperry.com and and go forward slash coaching. They can see these testimonials. They're right there on the website. Several of them have told me it's this mommy guilt that I'm dealing with. Mm. It's it's this issue of, well, I'm working, I have kids at home and I want to spend less time working, but I still need to work and I still love what I do. I'm like, okay. So there's a great other book that I've read that I think is incredible. It's called The Second Shift. 
And it's all about this stress that moms get about, you know, being at work and taking care of children. I'm not here to make those decisions for you. My wife and I decided a long time ago, we were going to divide and conquer. Um, she is raising the children. She is doing the homeschooling and, you know, that's her, 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 her specialty and, and great for her. I love her and support her. And, you know, we work really well as a team. If that's what you decided as a family that you're going to work, um, good on you. And, and I think that you should be empowered. Mm. You shouldn't be left to wonder what am I supposed to be doing? And when I come home working your second shift, I mean, there should be some really important communication with your spouse. Cause otherwise that's kind of where it gets left. And uh, it's kind of, you know, like you said, kind of running on autopilot where you're not intentional about it. So I think this is imperative, especially for working moms to have a fantastic ideal calendar, mm. something that you can look forward to every day, knowing right. that when you show up to work, you just do the things that are most important to you. And then you bail, you get out and you do the things that are more important, being with your kids after school, doing those projects with them, helping them, whatever it is that lights you up, do it, do it well and be incredibly productive. So as far as like how long it takes, man, what I've seen with coaching is there's some people that light up after a week and really feel the fire and can just go and they take the principles and they run like Tina. I like, I feel like you're that type of person, right? You just like take something, man, I'm going to make these changes. Other people, it takes incremental little drips and drops here as they're going through the program. But typically in 90 days, you can implement this program in 90 days. I've tested on a 90 day period. One can <laughs> in 90 days do this. But the reality is most people that I'm helping are typically have fallen into that workaholic trap where they've slid into working nights, working weekends, working overtime to make the business work with the idea that someday I'll get more time off. Someday I'll work on me. Someday I will work out. And all of a sudden your health, your relationships, the stress piles up and you realize I'm stuck in this trap. Mm, um, and there might the be way, a someday, right? That's right. And that's the key is like, and you may not have that someday where it just works itself out. So I really do believe that once you have the productivity in place and this time management system that advocate with the ideal calendar, setting boundaries, setting limits on when you work, I work from home. Do you know how wow. easy it is for me to open up this door? I've been doing this for 12 years. This is nothing new, Tina. The, the pandemic was like, hey, work from home. I'm like, <laughs> I've been doing this forever. That's what I do. Do you know how easy it is for me to walk out that door and be like, oh man, I forgot. I need to go back in and work another hour tonight. Like that is super hard. But nowadays we don't even need an office from home. We've got our phones. We have yeah. our laptops. We have all this technology that connects us, unfortunately, to work. If we do not disconnect, and we do not have boundaries set up, then we will not ever be balanced. We will always be working. I'm glad that you brought up your wife. I want to spend some time talking about uh, Angela because I'm totally curious, right? She's doing most of the whole the, the homeschooling. A lot of what we're talking about this what life balance is to just is to make even the relationship at home stronger, to make the marriage stronger. How do you both kind of communicate with one another? Does she have even her time? Like I imagine like 
Okay, everybody, I'm leaving right now. Travis, you're on deck. Whew, that is a fun topic. Here we go. So really, this, this last section of the book is, is all about you know personal development is not the end all be all to quote Shakespeare. It is the beginning. It's the start. But when you're married, it's exactly what you just said, Tina. It's a partnership. And those partnerships can be rough. <laughs> I studied, I helped, I help coach couples that were, were in some pretty rough stuff. And I've seen it. I've helped counsel and uh, marriages that are, are really rocky. I like to focus on the strengths-based method, the strengths-based ways of doing things. I like to look at what's worked for you, what's worked for them, and then research it and replicate. Like there's no point of coming up with something new, something else that's already working is doing well. So here's what I found. And this is my entire dissertation topic. It's essentially when two married individuals are so tied together and close with their values that they have overlapping or what we call shared values. When they have shared values and goals, they are more likely to be healthier psychologically, to have a better relationship, and to reach their financial goals. Mm. So it's pretty simple. And some people are like, well, that's duh research, Travis. I'm like, well, yeah, that's most of relationship research is duh. We already knew that. <laughs> but I, I spent I was, two years researching it. <laughs> I looked at, I'm telling you what I love is that how you put your research dissertation up there, you know, obviously you'd be able to find it anyway. 131 pages. I found your PhD dissertation from Utah State University. I, I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, you need to check this out. The association between shared values and well-being among married couples. I looked at your literature review, over 500 references. I looked at the page that was this like fancy page with correlation coefficients around all of these values. Quite truthfully, if I'm being honest, I was like, mm, uh, might need Travis's help to kind of interpret <laughs> it. This was very scientific and very, very impressive. You are describing financial stability, marital happiness, and wives' well-being all of this cord, it has a correlation to whether or not we're going to achieve our financial goals. So who gives a hoot whether or not that your portfolio did what it is? If you come home to a relationship or home life that sucks, then what was it all for? You nailed it, Tina. Like that is beautiful. When people, when people ask me, what was your dissertation about? I'm just going to actually replay that just that last 30 second and like, Ask Tina, like she knows. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah. There are so many broken marriages, so many relationships that are for naught. Now, I spent a great deal of time just for, for a period of time. I called my business the Thriving Marriage Institute. And then somebody pointed out, you know, Travis, that that stands TMI. I'm like, dang it. <laughs> but it, it, it was a little TMI um, because I was getting into their relationships and I realized, gee, these people really struggle with just having commonality, just having common ground. I honestly think one of the worst books ever written was Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. Mm. Now, it sold more book sales than any other relationship book combined. Like it's, it is universal. Like everybody knows about that book and people might think, well, I don't like you now, Travis, because you don't like the book. Well, listen, hear me out. Here's the reason. That book was not based on any social science research whatsoever. He's not a social scientist. He's a marketer and he wrote a whole bunch of books and that's the one that actually stuck. And fantastic. Good job, John Gray, for getting some word out there about relationships. However, 
it's actually done more damage than good. And I've actually seen research on the book um, showing that when people focus on their differences, they're focusing on the wrong thing. Acknowledge men are different. Yes, they are. Women are different. Yes, you are. Do we have differences? Absolutely. Do am I going to spend an hour talking about them? No. Are they funny to bring up? So funny. So funny. I mean, we can, we can laugh at each other. We can joke at how different we are, but the reality is we are actually more alike than we are different as human beings. We are more alike than we are different as men and women. We are more alike when we have finally found someone that we like. It's because we like who they are. And the reason it tends actually to be a selfish desire because they're more like us. We like them more. Oh, you're a fan of that show? Dude, we're friends. Or you like that sport? Oh, we are like blood brothers, you know, or sisters or whatever it is. <laughs> because we like the same things and we share those same commonalities. It brings us together. Tina, you and I are having this conversation because we are connected in a pod of people who like to work with financial advisors. That's what we share. Now, when you get married to that special someone, even if you're not yet, but if you are, you have likely met that person at church, at work, at school, in some location or hobby group. You sat by them in a, maybe in college or you met them at a church function. Like Those are the things that brought you together. So when you disregard all those things that brought you together and you just focus on those differences, you're actually doing exactly opposite of what you brought you together in the first place. But if you can reconvene and go back and find out what is it that we actually share, do a Venn diagram. Here's my values. Here's your values. What is in the middle? That's what I'm talking about as shared values. And when you can build on that, then the world is your oyster. There is nothing that you can't do as a teammate, as a pair, as a partnership, as a marriage, whatever you want to call it. There's nothing you can't accomplish. And that's what I want to bring the world. What I, the message I want to share with the world is get on the same team. If you're not on the same team, let's figure it out. I know how to help people do that. That's what I've been spending my life doing. But I will tell you that my wife is incredible. I hit the jackpot when I married her. It took me a great deal of convincing and time. And that's a, that's for another story. I shared my life story with um, Ken Walls on Facebook Live and LinkedIn the other day. You can find it if you want. He's a great guy. But, um, <laughs> but I will tell you this. Once we both decided that, yes, this is a mutual beneficial relationship when we got married, like the one of the very first things that we did is we sat down and we had a discussion about finances about what our places are in our relationship. And we worked every single week at this since the last 18 years of our marriage. And that is what I teach people to do. Have what I call couple development time. Spend time going over what your ideal weeks are. Go over what your goals are. Share those goals and dreams with each other. And then work together as a team to help. I don't care who makes the dinner. If it's the man, if it's the woman, doesn't matter. I, I know who it is typically, but whoever's in the kitchen, who's ever doing what, that's fine. Then be the biggest support that you can. Help out once in a while if you're not. If you are working, fantastic. Support the person that is, or if you both are, then make sure that you know how you're correlating things. That is it, by far the best thing I can share with people is be on the same team. Go the same direction. Because when there is split, when there is disconnection in the relationship, that's when things break down. That's when everything is, well, we're not communicating. Oh, and, and finances caused our divorce. No, they didn't. 
you guys have not developed together. You've developed individually by yourselves as silos. And now you're two ships passing in a night. And it's easy to say, well, it takes too much work to get back together. We'll just go our separate ways. Couple development time. What you just said is gospel. Hallelujah. I am so grateful because that message, that's such an important, just big takeaway. Achieving balance and being on the same team. What an incredible Seems rather obvious, uh, and I went through a divorce, but seems rather obvious, and I wish that I had this wisdom long ago. So I know that right now that this wisdom is getting to the people who need it the most, and I thank you for sharing it. Hey, listeners, you can now text me at 201-581-3983 to join our text-based community in the suite. After you do that, I'll be lifting you up, inspiring you, and supercharging your life and your career with awesome quotes, resources, videos, and tips we learn from our great guests. It couldn't be any easier. Just text 201-581-3983 to join. I know that there's a, also too, you kind of touched upon your next project. I want to cue that up and wondered if you wanted to just share a little bit. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that. Yeah. And, and you're right. Like this, this idea, this couple development is not only crucial to helping good relationships, but it's the secret to getting out of the workaholic trap and staying out mm. because having accountability with your spouse that person who loves you more than anyone else, right? Theoretically, uh, that if you have that great relationship, they're going to want time with you. They're going to want a piece of you and they're going to want you to be there. And so the two of you working together, not with a ball and chain, cracking the whip, but actual real 100% partnership, um, it works and it helps. This is the reason why I've implored this idea and not just, hey, work with Travis. It's work with Travis to help you work together so yeah. that you don't have to work with Travis anymore. That's the idea. And, I, and it has worked. It's it's effective. I've seen the data on this and couples that go through this process and learn it, they don't need me anymore. They are able to go ahead and achieve goals outside of work, inside of work. And that's where the true balance comes from. So I, I appreciate you allowing me to talk about it. So next project, I have my teenagers reading this book. <laughs> Last night, I took one of my sons, my wife and I, we do these uh, mommy and daddy dates. You know, there are six kids as we talked about. So we need to spend time with them alone. And we decided each month we take one special child like it was their birthday and oh, we go do whatever wow. they want. We just have a ball with them. It doesn't have to cost a ton of money. It could be right. going to the park. It could be getting dinner together. And last night we just went to dinner together at his favorite restaurant. And then we went and bought him some shoes that he needs. He wears them out like crazy. He's a 13 year old kid who's just playing outside all day, every day. And we just did those things with him to be there with him and talk to him. And on the way home, we're like, Hey, what's your goal this month, kid? We actually normally will have a conversation with one of our, or with our children each month as well, asking about their goals, helping them set goals. And he's like, dad, my goal is actually to finish your book this month. I'm like, wow, that's so cool. What a kid. Like he's so honest. And, and it's like, I'm reading six pages a day. So I figure by the end of this month, I'm going to finish your book. I mean, what is it? It's the 14th. So he's, he knows, he knows where he, how much he needs to read. And I'm like, you know, that's a business book. Are you learning anything from it? And this is the mouth of a 13 year old. He's like, dad, they're principles. I can learn to apply them in any aspect of my life. I'll just take it 
and use it. I'm like, oh, kid, I love you. <laughs> like homeschooling for our kids have worked. Uh, my wife is amazing at teaching them how to think for themselves. And, and I think that's the, really the message is that, yes, you can take this book, even if you're not a working individual. Um, I actually have a mother's group who is taking this, these, some of them work, some of them don't, a mother's group who's actually has this as their study book. They've all purchased it. They're going to go through it. And they've decided that, yes, our career is being moms. So how can we nail this? How can we take these principles and use it for that? And I think that's why I wrote the book is, yes, this is for advisors, but you can, as a 13-year-old, my 13-year-old said, you can take these principles and utilize it. That said, as my wife has helped me, she's been the reason why this is this whole project has happened. She's helped me all along the way to discover couple development. She's helped me figure out how to have an ideal calendar. She's helped me with my values, my goals all along the way. She's essentially helped co-create the make time method that I outlined in the book. However, as we got talking, we're like, you know what? This would be a really great thing to do to, to take this same make time method but make it available for families, for teens, for the youth who need to avoid getting into the workaholic trap before they need someone like me when they get into the workplace. So our next project together is this. It's, it's a achieving balance for teens. And so it's something I'm working on with my 17-year-old, with my 15-year-old, my 13-year-old. And my wife is going to be a big part of this, um, whether she likes it or not. <laughs> She's going to help me with this project because it's truly like it's her. She's the connection. Um, but having each of my children, they're reading it now, taking notes on every chapter, and they're going to help me to write that book. That is so, so inspiring. I, I love as you were even talking about how your 13-year-old was applying the principles to all aspects of his life. I was thinking that, again, a business owner, regardless of where you work, and you could even do this and just being the leader of any kind of team, you can take these principles. And I think also it, it reinforced to me as a business owner and a business leader, that I even need to be making sure that I have more of these discussions internally with the team, right? And making everyone feel special and make sure that they're on their own path, which is really exciting. Well, when uh, will that be a 2022 launch or a 2023 launch? Yeah, I think it's a 2022 launch. Okay. And so that's, that's going to be big. That's going to be something that we will officially announce as soon as that comes out, but this is the first place I've actually talked about it. So there's a first for your audience. Wow. This is a first for my audience um, to know when this when this is when this is out there. Is that man? You know, this is going to be something that's pretty awesome to do and to be able to share with everybody how this works and uh, what it'll be for their kids, so they can see how we. As a homeschooling family, you don't have to homeschool to do this, but we as a homeschooling family have been able to work with our kids, set these goals, help them to achieve these goals as kids. And I think that that is so needed today where there's so much that people struggle with, with their kids and with helping them achieve anything, right? When in this cancel culture and everything that's happening, I just think that message is absolutely needed. 
Oh, for sure. For sure. Even my daughter, who's been teaching as a middle school math teacher now for nine years, this whole year has been incredible for her, really has been very challenging and, and she's getting through it. And everybody, I think, is right now leaning into one another. I do want to make sure, too, that I say something about the book as we're talking about resources leaning into each other, is that now that you've made the book an audio, I'm a big audio learner. Again, anytime I'm going to be in an airplane today. So I, I listen to a lot of books. This is the audio version of this is coming out. I want to say maybe July. Yeah, July 1st. Okay. July yeah. July 1st. 1st. Great. Okay. So it's, it's, and it's available pre-order now. If you go to achievingbalancebook.com, you can actually pre-order it and get the paperback for 20 bucks. Yeah. Um, that's an insane deal. Cause I know that, you know, on Amazon right now, the paperback is 1599. So when the audio comes out, you know, we're going to charge more for that. So you're probably saving 20, $30 just by pre-ordering it. And that's why I got all this fancy equipment. You know, I've got, you know, even some other equipment that I'm going to use to record. You'll hear it in my voice. I love, love, love when yeah. I hear the actual author. And, you know, they're the ones that are reading it to me because I get to know them and I get to hear their inflections, what's important. And who knows, I may ad lib a few things. There may be some bonuses. There may be some pretty cool stuff that's coming out. You know who I heard that was so inspiring recently around the audiobook? I just have to say it because I mean, it inspired me so greatly. It wasn't even that long. And that was Yo-Yo Ma. And oh, yeah. Yo-Yo Ma's audiobook is in incredible. Now we're seeing this juncture, audiobooks are coming to life in a way that it's not just the narrator reading it. And then he also too brings music and he brings history and his backstory and even a little bit of travel in there. I'm just so like, I love audio as just a content vehicle because yes. I get so immersed in it, right? You can close your eyes and you can just listen. So I know that it's not easy to put together to, to be reading and reading and reading over and over again. So it's great that you're doing that and that we'll be able to hear your voice. And I can't wait for this next one. We're honored that you broke the news here in the suite. And then the other question, the last question that I have before we wrap up, you've read a ton, a ton of stuff. And we're asking for a best book recommendation. It could be an audio book. It could be a regular book. What do you think that we needs to be in our, in our library right now, aside from some of the things that you've already mentioned? Yeah. You know, that's such a great thing. I'm like, I had, I had uh, another podcast episode where I asked the same question. I'm going to give yeah. the exact same answer. And it's, it's a book that I actually give out to all my coaching clients just because they need it. And I'll tell you why. Man's Search for Meaning. This book has sold probably one of the one of the all-time best-selling books, Man's Search for Meaning. If you've never read it or if you feel like you've read it because you've heard about it so much, you probably haven't. You probably need to reread it. I reread it all the time. It is a, a little paperback, like 120 pages on a small print of a story that is sets place in a concentration camp where this later to become a psychologist walks us through what it's like to be a survivor of this concentration camp. Now, the reason why I suggest this is because if you ever want to know what you're made of and what your true values are, experiencing something like this that I will never probably have to experience in my lifetime and probably hopefully never have to hear anyone else in our lifetime go through, but have that experience and learn from and know what you're truly made of, that is the experience. And I will say this, the author's experience of going through that horrible challenge 
the big thing is what he came away with is his why. You know, we hear about, oh, this is, this is so-and-so's, you know, book on get, understanding your why. Yeah, yeah. But it really belongs to the, uh, the author of Man's Search for Meaning. And he's in a fantastic individual. And Viktor Frankl really captures this entire essence idea of why. His why was he knew that his wife was also trapped in another concentration camp. Every single day, his focus, his one sole focus was to make it out so that he could be there and wrap her in embrace when she got out, if she got out. Those that have read the book know the ending, know where this goes, but Victor's help and moving the industry, the field of psychology forward really does help us focus in on values, help us focus in on meaning, goals for life, not to just accomplish, but to become someone amazing. And I believe that every single person on this planet is someone amazing, but can be somebody even more amazing if they really focused in on their why, their values, and could achieve their goals in a balanced way. Dr. Travis Perry, we're going to end with that. Thank you so, so much. This has been so inspiring. I'm going to listen to this episode and re-listen to this episode, transcribe it. We're going to create the show notes, all of the great resources. Thank you so much. Oh, you're very kind. Thanks for having me on and letting me share this message with, with your audience. It's a, it's a pleasure. And good luck. We can't wait for number seven to come. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep you updated. Thanks, Tina. Fantastic. Thank you, Travis. You're listening to In The Suite, a podcast that shares amazing stories of women in business in the financial services and the wealth management industry. Our producers are Tina Powell and Kevin Hirshhorn. Our editor at large is Kevin Hirshhorn. Our content writers are Dimple Roshandani, Sarah Smirker, and Tina Powell. Our research and technical assistant is Sarah Smirker. In This Week podcast is sponsored by C-Suite Social Media, a high-performance marketing firm for RAs and fintech companies in the wealth management industry. You can visit csuitesocialmedia.com to learn more. And thank you so much for listening and subscribing. We've got listeners in 769 cities and 44 countries at the time of this broadcast. We are so grateful to you, especially for your five-star reviews. Thank you so much. This podcast was inspired by you and created created for you ladies. So please let us know how you enjoyed this episode with Dr. Travis Parry and share your thoughts on LinkedIn and Twitter, hashtag in the suite. You can connect with him on LinkedIn and visit his website, Travis Parry, T-R-A-B-I-S-P-A-R-R-Y.com to learn more, to get information on his book and his make time podcast. And always, if you would like to share the name of our rockstar woman in financial services, we should interview in 2021. Please send to me at Tina at InTheSweetPodcast.com. Again, thank you so much for listening and subscribing to In The Suite.